Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, my name is Cody Westbrook, and you're listening to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, brought to you by the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We're spending our time studying the story of the Bible. We are trying to wrap our minds around and get a good grasp of the full narrative of Scripture from beginning to end. In our last episode, we ended in 1 Samuel chapter 8, where we see a transition from the final of the period of the judges to the period of the kings, which will ultimately uh, result in a period of the united kingdom and also the divided kingdom for Israel, uh, the children of God. Now, by the time we arrive in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we are approximately 1,000 years before Christ. Just by way of review, to remind us what all has transpired to get us to this point in the Bible, you remember that sin entered the world in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, and in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God revealed for the first time his plan to deal with sin. It's the first messianic prophecy where the Lord said to the, to the serpent, I will put enmity between you see your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And of course, he is talking ultimately about Jesus Christ and about his death on the cross and then his resurrection uh, from the dead, ultimately. As we go on through the Bible and through the book of Genesis, we follow that seed line, that seed promise. We see the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, that he was going to uh, give his descendants the land of Canaan, and that ultimately all people of the earth are going to be blessed through him. And then we follow the seed of Isaac, and the seed of Jacob, and the seed of Judah. And after the death of Joseph, the son of Jacob, we find the descendants of Abraham in Egypt, in Egyptian captivity. But God eventually would raise up Moses to deliver them from captivity. And so Moses led the people to Mount Sinai, where God, had, where God would reveal himself to the people. God made a covenant with them, and he gave them a law, and he made them his people. And we read about all of these things in the books of Exodus and Leviticus. At the conclusion of the book of Leviticus, the people begin their march toward the land of Canaan, the land that was promised to Abraham, the land that was promised to Abraham's descendants. But you recall that on the way, they murmured and they complained a number of times because of their faithfulness. And in Numbers chapter 11, when Moses sent the spies into the land and they came back and gave an evil report because of their faithfulness, God condemned that generation to wander in the wilderness for a period of 40 years. And at the end of that 40-year period, the next generation enters the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. That gets us to the book of Joshua. The children of Israel go and they complete the conquest of the land. They divide the land amongst the tribes, and that covers the content of Joshua. But tragically, Joshua and Judges will tell us that the children of Israel did not remove all of the Canaanites, as they were instructed to do, 
And thus, in the book of Judges, we see what has rightly been called the dark ages of the children of Israel. And that is because we have this cycle that that continues to spin and unfold in the book of Judges. And the cycle goes like this. The children of Israel begin to sin because they follow after the teachings and the practices of the Canaanites in the land around them. God raises up a nation as a punish to attack his people and bring them into subjection as a punishment for their sin. And then the people repent and they cry out to God for deliverance, and so God will raise up a judge to deliver them, and the judge delivers them. But before long, the people, after the death of the judge, go back into sin all over again, and so the cycle just continues to turn. So that gets us from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Judges. We have the sin entering into the world, and God saying, I'm going to deal with this sin through the seed of woman. And we follow that seed. It's the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, the seed of Jacob, the seed of Judah. We've seen the seed or descendants of Abraham in Egypt and then come out of Egypt. We've seen them receive the law, and then we've seen them wander in the wilderness, and now we have seen them finally make their way across the Jordan into the, into the land of Canaan to conquest and to settle and take residence there. And we have seen their wickedness. Now in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we reach the end of the period of the judges because Samuel is indeed the last judge. And the Bible tells us in this all-important chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 8 that in this section we have a major turning point or transition in the history of the children of Israel. And that is because they reject God as their king and they demand a human king to rule over them. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that um, the elders said of Israel gathered together, I'm in 1 Samuel 8 verse 4, and said, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Notice that their standard is not God or God's will, but their standard is the nations that are around them. We want to be governed by a king just like they are. This is very troubling to Samuel. And Samuel uh, prays to the Lord about it. And the Lord tells Samuel two things. He tells him, number one, you need to recognize that they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting me. And that's the ultimate tragedy of the whole uh, of the whole occurrence. The people had a king, and his name was Jehovah. But they didn't recognize and honor and follow him as king. And so therefore they said, we want a human king. We want to look like everyone else. The second thing that God told Samuel is, you do as the people ask, but you let them know exactly what it is that they're getting themselves into. And so Samuel does just that. He gathers the people together. And he says, look, this is going to be the behavior of the king. He's going to take your sons and appoint them as his chariot men and his horsemen. He's going to appoint captains. He's going to build up an army. He is going to take your daughters to to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He's going to take the best of your fields for vineyards, your olive groves. He's going to give them to your servants. He's going to charge you a tax. If you have a king, this this is the full picture. This is what you're asking for. And nevertheless, 1 Samuel 8, 19, 
the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king, that we may be like all the other nations, and that our king may judge us and go before us and fight our battles. So Samuel heard all the words of the people and repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to Israel, Every man go to his city. So in 1 Samuel chapter 9, then, we are introduced to a man by the name of Saul. The Bible says there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of uh, Bechorath, the son of Ephiah, a Benjamite, a man of power. And he, was, uh, and he had a choice, handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So here is this man, Saul, the Benjamite. And Saul, the son of Kish, the Benjamite, is going to become the first king of the nation of Israel. He becomes king because he looks the part. But we quickly find out that though he may have looked the part, he was actually a failure, and his heart was far from what was required for a king. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, and 15, we have three different occasions in which Saul transgresses the will of God, and it ultimately will result in his rejection as king over Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Bible tells us in verse number 8 and 9 that Saul had been instructed to wait for Samuel in Gilgal for a period of seven days. And he did wait. He waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come, and the people were scattered from him. And so Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and, a, and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now as soon as it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered it together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled to make an, off an offer to burn offering. And Samuel said, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And there you have a section that aptly summarizes the character and the reign of Saul as king of Israel. Saul was given a command, and his command was to go and wait for Samuel. Saul had no right, no place to go and offer burnt offering and sacrifice before the Lord. And yet, the Bible says that he felt compelled to do it, meaning he felt like it was the right thing to do. But that resulted in his rejection. Samuel said, God seeks a man after his own heart to rule over his people. And that's the one he's going to set upon the throne. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we find another very uh, unwise, uh, very wrong thing that Saul does by taking a rash oath in 1 Samuel 14 and verse 24. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we have the final event, the capping event, if you will, in which Saul is told, you are rejected. God gave Saul a very clear set of instructions in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And the instructions were that he was to go and to utterly destroy the Amalekites and not spare them. 
He was to kill man and woman, infant, nursing, child, ox and sheep, and camel and donkey. He was to kill everything. And so Saul went, and, but he was successful in the conquest. He was successful in the battle, but he did not obey the command of God because he saved the king alive, and he saved the, chief, or the choices of the livestock alive. And so the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 11, the Lord said, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king because he's turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So Samuel would arise the next day and go off to confront Saul. And the Bible tells us that when Saul met Samuel, that he said to Samuel in verse number 13, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel said, Well, then what's this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul began to try and explain himself. They've come from, forth from the Amalekites. I spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. But Samuel said uh, in, verse, uh, in verse number 19 and following, he said, To obey is better than sacrifice. You see, the problem again with Saul was the fact that, that he had disobeyed, was the fact that his heart was not right. In verse number 17, Samuel says, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Do you hear the implication? When you were little in your own eyes. The implication is that he wasn't little in his own eyes anymore. And so Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for the Lord. In verse number 26, you have rejected the word of the Lord, rather, and the Lord has rejected you for, from being king. So, we go then from Saul to David. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, David is chosen to be king, and David will be the greatest king that the children of Israel ever know. David is described as a man after God's own heart in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 23. And remember that according to 1 Samuel chapter 13, that the Lord was looking for a man after his own heart. And David, of course, was that man. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David is anointed to be king of Israel. Samuel goes and seeks him out, and David is opposite of Saul in a number of different ways. In particular, his physical stature. David is the youngest son of Jesse, and he's out keeping the sheep. And after Jesse brings all of his other sons before Samuel, Samuel finally, after the Lord saying, "No, none of these are none of these are, are the one." Samuel says to Jesse, do you have another son? And he says, well, yes, he's the youngest and he's out keeping the sheep. And Samuel says, bring him here. And so Jesse sends for him. And when David arrives, the Lord says, he's the one, he's the man. So the rest of the book of 1 Samuel chronicles Saul's pursuit of David and his attempts to kill him. Saul knew that David had been uh, anointed to be king and he didn't take kindly to it at all. And he tried and he tried to kill him and to take his life. But ultimately, David survives and Saul dies at the end of the book of of 1 Samuel. And then 2 Samuel begins with uh, the report of Saul's death and the beginning of David's reign as the true king over Israel. And the highlight of the book of 2 Samuel and really the reign of David is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 
And when you read 2 Samuel chapter 7, our mind should go immediately back to where we began with Genesis 3.15 and the seed of woman and the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah. And the reason is because in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David decides, look, I, I live in a house of cedar and the Lord dwells in a tent. And so I am going to build an innate, an innate a structure, a house for the Lord, which is worthy. But uh, the Lord speaks to him and says, no, that's not what's going to happen. You're not going to build me a house, but rather I'm going to build you a house. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse number 9 and following, or verse number 8 and following, the Lord says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I've been with you wherever you've gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them and they may, uh, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And now listen to verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But mercy will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your house before you. And your house and your kingdom will be established forever. Your throne will be established forever. Now, this section is another messianic prophecy. Because what we're doing now is we're seeing another point in the process of elimination of the seed line. We have the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the seed of Judah, and now it's the seed of David. God is promising David that he is going to raise up a king to sit on his throne. And when we turn our attention to the pages of the New Testament, what we learn is that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this prophecy that he sits on David's throne currently, but that it's not a physical throne, it's a spiritual throne. So, as we go throughout the remainder of the book of 2 Samuel, we see the kingship of David. We see all of the good that he does, but we also see a great deal of the bad and the wicked that he does, primarily his sin with Bathsheba and uh, all of the consequences of that sin that would unfold after the fact. And once David dies... In the, books of first, uh, in the book of First Kings, his son Solomon takes the throne. David dies in First Kings chapter 11, and Solomon takes the throne in First King, uh, excuse me, Solomon uh, dies in First Kings chapter 11. And then take, uh, things take a turn. In chapter 12, after Solomon's death, there is one called Jeroboam who will, who will rise. And when Jeroboam takes the throne, the kingdom divides between the north and the south, the northern and the southern kingdom. And Jeroboam will say to the people, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem to worship. And so he will set up idols in Dan and in Bethel. He will introduce formally the idol or the calf worship into Israel, into, the, into God's people. 
And this, again, is a turning point, a, a major change in the history of the people of God, and it is going to lead to years of terrible wickedness, which will ultimately result in the captivity and destruction of God's people. That's the end of our episode today. We thank you so much for uh, joining us, and we invite you to uh, subscribe to our podcast channel if you've not done so already. Go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts if you're able, and of course, look for our future episodes uh, to come as days uh, as days go on. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you will be with us again as we open up the Word of God and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcubc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.